hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where normally we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. However, this week, we are doing something a little bit different. My name is Adam St. John. My name is Ian Woodington. And if you stuck around from last week, you'd know that we discussed uh, Seven, directed by David Fincher. Um and uh, considering that we've both seen all of his movies and are big fans of David Fincher, we decided that we were going to do the definitive ranking of David Fincher's films. And which is nice, because as of right now, he's done 10 features. Which is great. Which is a nice round number. Perfect 10 we can talk there about. There we go. Um, so uh, we are going to uh, eventually get into our top 10. We're going to work from 10 to 1. Uh, we'll do a little break in the middle and give you some other thoughts about Fincher collaborators. And maybe some of his aesthetics. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, but Ian, do you mind giving us a little information on David Fincher? I would love to. Great. So for the uninitiated, uh, David Fincher was uh, born in 1962 in Denver, Colorado. He ended up moving later in his life to Marin County, where he was actually a neighbor of George Lucas's, which is funny because he ended up going to work at ILM. Uh, at 18, and uh, he was there between uh, 1981 and 1983. He got to work on three really big movies as a as an assistant cameraman and a matte painting photographer, which is something that isn't really. I don't know that I've even heard of people still using matte paintings anymore. But it's it's a sort of a dying art, forgotten yeah. art. A, bit, a really big famous one would be in something like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark during the truck chase in that and where the truck goes off of the cliff and that that so that background there is a is a map painting yeah uh so he got to work on return of the jedi the never-ending story and indiana jones and the temple of doom which is that's that's a pretty impressive start to yeah. a resume absolutely I mean, no matter what job you're doing on those um but he became interested in films at he says at the age of eight when he saw not just butch cassidy but a making of documentary of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and immediately started making films on uh, on an 8mm camera. So in 84, when he left ILM, he uh, went on to direct a bunch of television commercials, an absolute shit ton of music videos yep. for people like Rick Springfield, Madonna, Rolling Stones, George Michael, Aerosmith, Perfect Circle, he you did, name it. Didn't he do Faith? I believe he did. Okay. Yeah, I, he, did, sorry. He, yeah he did Faith. <laughs> okay. Um, easily my favorite George Michael music video. Oh, of course. But also <laughs> some really big commercials as well for Coke and Chanel and Nike yep. and Levi's, you know, all of those huge flagship brands. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite little bits of trivia about him uh, is that he was on the shortlist to direct what would become the beginning of Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man trilogy in oh. 2002. Okay. And he had pitched uh, an idea that Columbia instantly went, nope, we have no interest in doing that, which was where he wanted to tell the story of Spider-Man's origin in the opening credit sequence. And then we were going to hard cut to 20 years later and deal with what happens when you've been this superhero for a couple of decades and the strain that that could take on it, which other than Watchmen, nobody's really done that. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's that's the superhero movie that, that I want. I don't give a shit about this MCU or DC, any of this origin story. How many fucking times are we going to see Thomas and Martha Wayne killed? Sidebar. And well, and, and give, give me a time frame in, in like in the next two decades. I'd yeah. say at least three more times. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also went on to, in 1987, he funded his own, uh, 
not a studio, but his own uh, commercial and music video company with uh, Dominic Cena. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Directed, of course, Swordfish in the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, Swordfish, and big, also, big play in our house. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Go back and listen to that. I did listen to that Below Freezing episode. I loved it. I thought it was great. Thank I, you. I but laughed my ass off. We had a blast recording a good, that one. A good chunk of it. But anyway, he also, uh, in that company, was also Greg Gold and Nigel Dick. And uh, Spike Jones also at one point went on to, to work there. And they eventually ended up trading cameos. Spike Jones appears at the end of the game. Yep. And David Fincher pops up in in being John Malkovich. I don't think I knew that. No. Okay. There you nice. Go. You, I knew the, you, the you in learned, the game, but not yeah, in being. Learn something every day. There it is. But so uh, in recent years, I mean, his his filmmaking has slowed down. As of right now, he hasn't made a movie since uh, Gone Girl, which is 2014. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Mank is coming out mm-hmm. uh, supposedly the end of this year. Uh, another Netflix movie. Yep. Uh, but in that time, he's been working on shows like House of Cards, which he actually got a primetime Emmy for, yep. and uh, Mindhunter and uh, Love, Death, and Robots, which I think, if I remember right, was kind of born out of the heavy metal projects that he was trying to get off the ground okay. for years and years. But Have you seen Mindhunters? I absolutely love Mindhunter. Okay. And as of this recording, it's kind of in limbo whether they're going to do more seasons of it or not, which would be a huge shame because they are building to something absolutely incredible. I yeah. really hope they get to to finish that and not just stop dead where they are right now. Absolutely great series. I can't, cannot recommend it okay, highly great, enough. Great. I, need to, I need to watch it. It's very much Fincher's show. Great, great. Yeah, I, we definitely were House of Cards fans. We, and not, again, nothing to do with, with Kevin Spacey and what happened with him, but I think after the fourth season... Yeah, it took a dip it, in quality. It, well, and we, you know, we just, you know, if you if you miss a season and then like like now I think I don't know how many seasons ended up being. They but ended up doing the sixth season was a shorter one. I think it was only six episodes. So we haven't seen the last two, and it was like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, we'll see if we ever go back. But, it, it but takes, I, I it enjoyed it for what it was. Nosedive. Yeah. Um, season three jumps the shark pretty intensely. Uh, anyway, but one last little piece of trivia. He ended up marrying his producing partner, Sean Chaffin, in 1996, and she has worked with him since seven. So a good, long producing partnership. And Yeah, there you go. I always yeah. love hearing stuff like that. Like, same with Christopher Nolan. He's yeah. married to Emma his, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, his producing partner That's great. as well. That's great. So I got a little quote here before we begin from... Uh, from Fincher, a little quote that I pulled from Wikipedia and said, in seeing that, that being the making of Butch and Sundance, I became obsessed with the idea of how. It was the ultimate ultimate magic trick, the notion that 24 still photographs are shown in such quick succession that movement is imparted with it. Wow. And I thought that there would be, there would never be anything that would be as interesting as that to do for the rest of my life. It's quite wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. are you ready to be irritated immediately? Oh, great. Yeah, sure. Um, so one thing that I wanted I have not told Ian that I'm going to tell him now. I made a I made the I made a top 10 list before watching them. And then I rewatched them and I made a different top 10 list, which is the list I'll be giving you. Um, yeah, mine was I I did the same thing. Yeah. And mine was not wildly different, but there are a couple of really key changes. Only 3 stayed the same for me. Really? Yeah. I had a lot right. of movement, a lot wow. of movement. Um, so 
Yeah, we just. Uh, do you want me to go first? Number ten. Well, do you want to? Do you want to oh. dive in, or do? Uh, sorry, the one one little piece of trivia. I guess we should say because we love talking about awards and things like that on sure. the show. We oh yeah. Say that he's been nominated for a directing Oscar uh, twice. Yep. He's nominated for uh, Benjamin Button and nominated for um, Social Network. He lost both. Yep. Lost to uh, The King's Speech and to uh, Slumdog Millionaire. One of those, I'm okay with, and one of them, I am not. Yeah, I I'm sure I can guess which is which. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, to be fair, I think it was Danny Boyle's time. I don't think he should have won it for Slumdog, but that's fair. If you look at it as like a a body of work, like Danny Boyle, it was a long time coming. For I him. also I still like Slumdog. I think I, and I, I think do. it's yeah. well made too. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then uh, he did win the Golden Globe for directing on Social Network. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least the Globes knew what they were doing at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I we, think you are a little harsh on the Globes. Well, they're just they're just fun and dumb yeah. and hokey and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they're fine. It's whatever. I mean, I like that it doesn't take itself as seriously. Sh- sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but they're they're split categories thing with like sometimes they'll shove something that is a comedy. Oh, there's is, well, that weird, isn't really a comedy weird category game. fraud yeah, yeah. with the Oscar or with the Golden Globes. Yeah, that's bizarre. But so I'm saying, I I get your irritation, but I think you're overly harsh on them sometimes. Okay. I, not not a criticism, just an observation. Well, fuck you, buddy. Well, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. We didn't decide who was going first. I can't. I don't care. Or oh wait, you want it, but you want to start. I, oh, I wanted, you want to, to I wanted to irritate, irritate you, you immediately. Bat. Okay. What is your ten? Number ten is the curious case of Benjamin Button. Why would you? Why is that going to irritate me? I don't know. Because okay. you'll be more irritated about what's above it. Okay. So let's. We're going to save the conversation for the movie for the highest it, it is ranked. Does that sound yeah, fair? Yeah, that's, that's what we've done in the past. Okay, great, great, great. So Curious Case is your 10. Number 10, great. right at the bottom. Okay, my 10 is Alien 3. That does not surprise me. Okay, what is your 9? My number 9 is Panic Room. Okay, so my number... Uh, sorry, one sec here. Sorry, he's making a cumulative list as no, we no, go. No, no, we're good, we're good. Okay, so so my 9 is the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Okay. Okay, so now we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, it's a bit fucking sanctimonious. It, it, it is the only, well, it's not true because Alien 3 is too. Um, what, sanctimonious? No, 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 no. Sorry. What I was going to say, I took a dramatic pause, I think. Um, these are the, I feel these movies, they are so God, I mean, and I realize that Alien 3 isn't as long if you watch the, the original cut of it, but oh my God, curious case. I forgot how painfully long slow. I I feel every minute of it. And 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 in a, in a director's filmography who's like maybe average runtime is two and a half hours, this is the one where it's like, oh my god. Well, I made sure to get all the running time. So Benjamin Button is 166 minutes. Oh Jesus Christ! And you feel every second of this movie. I'd say so. And the- now that's this for me. It's. I shouldn't be overly harsh. I think there are a lot of redeeming qualities in this film. I think it's a film that is made up of some really, really good moments. I would agree. There are some moments in there that I find really nice. But the whole doesn't, for me, equal the sum of its parts. Not even close. No, no. And it's weird, too, because it's hard to jump into this world where he's aging backwards. and Well, it's unique. It's it, definitely a unique and, uh, plot device. And I, I, my favorite, my favorite moments, I think, are watching Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt when they're roughly the same age, because there's such a connection happening that it's great. But 
Well, you can definitely still feel them building off of that very tense relationship they had to have in, in, in Babel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, they work fantastically together. I'm not going to take anything away no, from no, that. No, no, sure. Perform- per- I should say, in general, I'm not going to take anything away from any of the performances. I think everybody is oh, yeah, stellar yeah. in it. Taraji P. Henson is great. She's wonderful. Jared Harris is That's, fun in this it. This is the movie I fell in love with Jared Harris yeah, on. He's, he's I, I mean, I know I saw him in other things, but as the as the captain yeah. who's obsessed with tattoos yeah, and yeah. art. He's and an artist. Whole, the whole thing about yeah. the hummingbird's wings making the symbol for infinity. That's, yeah. that's really nice. But I, so I, I, I think I can sum up my 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 thoughts about this movie when one one particular sequence in it, and it's when Brad Pitt says like life is a funny thing, and he goes on to basically describe how Kate Blanchett got her leg her leg broken, got hit by the car. That is the most self indulgent filmmaking storytelling thing where we're just gonna give you all of these things that happened, and because they did, this happened. It's fucking hokey. Why do we need this? Yeah. It it slows the movie down and it's trying so hard to be witty and like original. It almost feels like a fourth wall break too. It, it's just so bizarre. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's it feels like it's from a completely different movie. Yeah. I, which is why I would have to agree with you. That moment in an already long film, that stops this movie dead. It's yeah. like the French plantation apocalypse now. <laughs> it stops the movie fucking dead. <laughs> That's a great comparison. Um, not one that I'm sure Fincher would like. Yeah, probably not. I, you know, and it's it sucks that in a real way, this he got so much critical acclaim for it, like eleven or twelve Oscar nominations. Uh, I have I have them thirteen Oscar uh, nominations, 13, yeah. and it won uh, art direction, makeup, and visual effects. Yeah, I knew it won three, and it lost pretty much everything else to Slumdog Millionaire, except for actor, which it uh, lost to Sean Penn, which yep. is a completely different conversation because I was pulling so hard for Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. yeah and then uh, Taraji, Taraji P. P. Hansen, Hansen lost to uh, Penelope Cruz for mm-hmm. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, the Woody Allen movie, that which mo- is, you, you don't think that movie? I, it's, I don't. <sighs> I mean, I, I like it. It's okay. I'm, I don't get it. I don't, yeah. I, I don't get the story going on in that. <laughs> But that's for another type of place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Javier Bardem is in it, and he's fucking awesome in everything he does. Yeah, he's he's good in it. Again, I just don't understand the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, um, I, I don't. I, that's the thing is, I really don't have much to say uh, about this movie. I mean, I how about the guy? I was struck by lightning seven times. Oh my god! I love that callback. But again, how that keeps coming every time he comes home. He's why, got a different. But again, why do we have this? I know it's. But it, it's it's a neat little distraction. Oh, for about four four nights straight in a row when we're having dinner, I would look to Stella, who has no idea what I'm talking about. Like, did I ever tell you I was struck by lightning seven times? And th- like the third night, she was like, Dad, what is this? And I was like, you don't want to know. It's not important. But One time I was just sitting in my truck minding my own business. <laughs> it's so stupid. I just laugh, but, but... I know, but it's it's one of those, like, it just... Something that I don't know. It just it punctuates the movie really well. Yes, but and but to, to sort of, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that that's a it's a great bit, but it, it's unnecessary to the storytelling, and in and of itself, it doesn't make any sense w- with what we're doing. Well, and and there's a lot that about this movie that doesn't make any sense. Like, how did you make a movie this long from a short story by F. Scott Fitzgerald for one? Yeah. Oh, speaking, and we mentioned. Um, Elias Codius last week he's in this movie. Yeah, he's got um, a, I think he's got an uncredited cameo right at the beginning as the the clockmaker who yeah. makes the clock that goes Go backwards, backwards which yeah. is which is a cool little plot device but like I said there are, this movie is is made up and punctuated oh. by little great moments that uh, Okay, just... but what I I do not like the storytelling uh, the storytelling device of 
Kate Blanchett is now dying and she has a daughter and it's Hurricane Katrina for some reason and she's reading the old diary and I just that oh, also the reveal that she reveals that he was her dad through that is like a really shitty thing and the other thing that I think is super shitty that he just leaves yeah Oh, they, they don't really have a great explanation for it. He's, his whole reasoning is like, I don't, it feels very selfish. It, yes. It, it is. Yeah. But you also have to, I think, consider his age at the time. You know, he's he's receding into his 20s. Yeah. And there's there feels like they, I that's an idea that I didn't explore enough that I kind of wish they had, like this rebellious nature that must have come out in him. At first, he's well-intentioned. Like, yeah. you shouldn't have to raise both of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then we see him go off, and it's like there's footage of him like having like he's a fucking high school student that's having a gap year before they go to college, and well, I, you lose all sympathy for it. Yeah, I was gonna I say, do it. I was going to say, like, why, dude, you're just being a selfish. Why player. do we need to see him basically traveling the world? Right. Like we should when he goes off on the motorcycle, we should not know what happens to him until it. It should. It should hard cut back to him when, arriving at the the dance school, and now. As, as a looking like a teenager, like yeah. a fifteen year old essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, no, I agree with you on that. There's a lot in this movie that could be cut. You could yeah. get this thing down to two hours, I think, without breaking a sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I I've said my piece. I, I and honestly, and here's what here's what I'll say: ten through eight, I don't think are great. Seven through one, I really like. So yeah. I'm I, that's that's where I, I'm at. I'm almost with you. Okay, um, so. That was my number nine. Your number nine was Panic Room. My number eight is Panic Room. Okay. So, so we, we so we have the same bottom three. They're just, just in, a, in different, a different order. Different in order. Yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. got Ben Button at 10, Panic Room at 9, Alien 3 at 8. Great. Great. Um, so what do, what do you want to talk about first? Panic Room. Okay. If, that, if that's all right. Yeah. Now, Panic Room, I had not seen Panic Room... Fuck, man, a, a long time. Yeah. A very long time. Sure. Um, and you know what? I didn't hate it as much as I remembered hating it my first go around. That's, and so so my, my pre-list, um, Alien 3 stayed the same. It was 10 both times. Um, Curious Case was at 8 and then moved down to 9 after the rewatch. And Panic Room bumped up 1. Not just because I, my, my, whatever I thought about Curious Case dropped, but also... I was like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. So Alien 3 for me was always at 8, and it was Panic Room and, and Curious Case. Flipped. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so for me, Panic Room, we, we've talked about um, Tony Scott before, and of course we did our, our Tony Scott tribute episode, and we did the Top Gun episode and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, for me, Panic Room is kind of like his domino. So if you think about domino in Tony Scott's career, it's him, it, it's his filmmaking literally on acid. It's like his most stylized over stylized film and that's kind of where panic room is for me yeah in in fincher's filmography it's needlessly stylized like there's the shot where you know the guys are trying to break into the house and we start upstairs and the camera comes down like through the floorboards through the floorboards down the stairs through the corridor it goes through the handle of the coffee pot yeah and then out yep. the keyhole mm-hmm. to where the key comes in like uh, I, it makes me think of Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. You were so obsessed with the idea that you could, you didn't stop to ask yourself <laughs> if you should. <laughs> well, and it's funny because there's uh, there's so much of that, like those those um, visual effects shots in Fight Club, but it, it becomes part of the style of the storytelling. Right. That 
Okay, it's like you get well, it. It's, it's, it's very it's, much tongue in cheek in yeah, Fight Club. But in Panic Room, in this, you know, really um, serious, you know, in terms of like, you know, if you're seeing it through, through Jodie Foster's eyes, this very serious movie about a home invasion, it's like, okay. But then, like, we have all the, yeah, the 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 visual effects and the 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 fact that it's unnecessary like and it's weird because it's in a movie too where we get those we get those shots um of the going through the the handle of the coffee pot but then we get the i think a great shot of watching um the elevator go down with with uh um Jodie Foster and Kristen um, um Stewart the, yes Kristen Stewart and watching inside. Jared Leto try to fucking yank that door open that's a great shot it is a great shot and it's a real, that's a practical shot yeah. in a movie where we have, you know, five or six, like, why? Yeah. Visual effects kind of shots? I don't, don't quite get it. Yeah, exactly. They they could, so they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, it, it sucks because there are some, I, I really, I really like Forrest Whitaker in this movie. He's I think great. he's giving the, well, all a three of those great guys. performance. Lido, Lido Yoakum and... <laughs> Dwight Yoakum. Is, he's great. As Raul. And I don't I don't want to take anything away from Kristen Stewart and Jodie Foster because yeah. I think all five of those performances are fantastic. I and, think, I'm, and I'm not a huge fan of Jodie Foster or I'm not Kristen either. Stewart. I don't really have it yet. Yeah, yeah, but I think all five of them are great. Yeah, they're fun. They're great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love... The, the first five minutes of this movie are a little rough. The dialogue is very hokey, and when they're showing them around Exposition the house... Exposition yeah, dump. It, it really... David Coop's script is not... It's not It's fantastic. not great. But it didn't once, help that he was a producer on the film, too. But once we get in the... Once those three guys are in the house, the movie gets exponentially better. Yeah. Is what I found in this latest rewatch of it. And we really don't get a relief there's a couple of times where we go outside the house where they're trying to signal the guy across the street yep. the sleepy neighbor mm-hmm. which is andrew kevin walker oh that's so funny uh screenwriter of seven yep. he also did some cleanup on on both this and fight club oh, okay um and then we get a sh- an exterior shot where the cops come to the door mm-hmm. like that and that's pretty much the only time we go outside other than when Forrest Whitaker is trying to leave and then comes back yeah so there's there's three times we leave but for the bulk of it we are stuck in this house mm-hmm and that that's a trope that I really, really like about this movie. And Jared Leto is that whiny little bitch who's got that secret. The the scene where he's got his face up against the wall oh, and they're trying to pipe the, the, the propane. propane in and they figure it out and they, they have the lighter and they light the propane and it lights half fuck. his face on fire. That's it's, pretty good. I like that. It's good. I, there's some there is some really good dialogue in it. Their their sort of interactions together and 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 watching Jodie Foster have to like rise the task when and her daughter tells her as they're communicating through the panic room and telling the guys to try and get out of the house she's like fuck off yeah you gotta mom you gotta say fuck and she just presses the button and and just and just says fuck (laughs) that's a good little moment yeah I think ultimately where I think this movie uh, lags is there's there's like there's one too many things like you know of course Kristen Stewart has uh, she, what is what does she have? I don't know if they. She's got like early onset diabetes she's, or something. She she's need, got a, yeah, she needs she's insulin. She's got something, yeah. and of course, Jodie Foster is going through a divorce, and of course, like Forrest Whitaker is going through like child custody issues, and it, there's. I just feel like there was like one too many character things. Which is why I I love the Dwight Yoakam character. He's kind of like he's the outlier. We yeah. know fuck all about yeah. him, and that that's great because it makes him terrifying. Yeah, like he doesn't true. seem to have any real motivation for well, being there. And it also like it, other than money for the longest time, Dwight Yoakam in, in the movie is like, is he actually a scary guy? Like it's hard to know like if he's like actually. Well, he's a got bad. a ski mask on for but, the bulk but, of the but movie. But not I don't I don't. But I mean like like 
the way that he calls, like the way that Leto is treating him, right? It's like, is this guy really like a bad guy? Or is he just like here? And when he fucking shoots Leto in this movie, it's like cold blooded. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And then you realize you can't fuck with this guy. Yeah. So So again, yeah. it's it's a bit like Ben Button is in there's some really great moments in it, but they don't really add up to much that is this is a pretty standard boilerplate type of home invasion thriller. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that it's a bad movie. It's just no. that when you look at it compared to the rest of Fincher's work, it's like, yeah, yeah, this one's okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it feels like him like stretching his muscles and going, "Oh, look at all the the look at all the tools in my toolbox, and look at all the colors in well, my paint palette." And, and I have a I have a theory about this later, but I can't. It'll give away some of my later movies, so I won't. No, bring no, it up no now. We'll, we'll, um, we'll try and remember to come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Alien Three, Alien Three. I really fucking like Alien Three a lot. Wow, I don't. Not not as much as again. So this is why it's number eight. Yeah, but. Man, Alien 3 has a really unenviable task of following Alien and Aliens, right? I mean, those are two... I mean, that's true. Two yeah. of the best films in their respective sort of mashup genres. So, yeah. I mean, the first sci-fi Alien... Sci-fi horror and... And sci-fi action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. And we could do a whole episode on how fucked up the production of this thing was. Like, all the reasons for... The, the theatrical version of Alien 3 failing, I don't feel any of it is Fincher's fault. You've I would got, agree. You've got David Geiler and Walter Hill, who are dicks. <laughs> you know, they, they uh, shouldn't, okay. Where's Dan O'Bannon? Let's get him involved. Yeah, well, he's, he's a giant dick. Too. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But they, they, there's, a, there's a moment where, look, if you hire a guy, you've got to step back and let him, do, you've got to, at some point, give a certain amount of trust, and there was none given yeah. to Fincher. I mean, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have hired a first-time director. Fe- feature. First-time yeah, yes. feature director yeah. if yeah. you were going to, you know, sit on their shoulder this whole fucking movie. You're not going to do him any favors. I mean, they're just constant rewrites. They had built sets before there was a finished script. The sets were, were based on a different script that Vincent Ward had written yeah. where it was going to be uh, a planet, a wooden planet, like a like a manufactured planet made of wood where yeah. it was like a retreat for like monks and it was going to be one of these things which the uh, a theme that they kind of carried on through the making of Alien 3 is that we don't have the technology the whole point of Alien 3 is to strip away all of that technology yeah. from what they had in the second film mm-hmm. and you've got to fight this thing like you fought it in the first film and to you know just rely more on your wits than anything else now I haven't seen the theatrical cut in years, and I've only seen it once. For me, it's the assembly cut or nothing. The version that is, I want to say it's about 39-ish minutes longer. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it adds a lot more with the Gallic character. It just Well, it adds a lot more character character depth in general. You really start to care more about the Clemens character, played by Charles Dance, who's mm-hmm. the doctor. Yep. Uh, all the guys in there sort of, they kept a religious element from the original script where these guys, they're all uh, Y chromosome guys. They're all rapists and violent murderers and they're trying to, they're out here on this backwater prison planet, you know, just eking out an existence and trying to better themselves through routine and religion and all of that shit. Uh, For me, the reason I like Alien 3 so much is for me, if you strip away all the other bullshit surrounding the alien films, like I, I don't care if, if anybody's a fan of Prometheus or not, I fucking love it, but that's neither here nor there. And alien resurrection and the alien versus predator films. When you look at 
Ridley Scott's film, Cameron's film, and David Fincher's film, you have a pretty fucking impressive character arc for a trilogy. Sure. And and Sigourney Weaver really does an incredible job to anchor this film. And she was a producer on it as well. Yes. And so you can yeah. really feel her doing her best to steer this ship. And I I don't know, man. I just I I really I look at it in the same way as like the Bourne trilogy and think about the journey that that Jason Bourne has to go on. It, it's one of those massive character arcs yeah. that I really love that comes kind of full circle at the end and the sacrifice that she has to make and I don't know, man. I could do a whole fucking dissertation on why this is a good film and probably convince nobody. Yeah, not me. Not I know, man. I mean, it's one of these things where I can appreciate, you know, like you know, part of the production design and and I think uh, I, think, I think it's a great looking film. Um, Charles Dance plays the Doctor, right? Yeah, Clemens. Uh, I, yeah, I love him. He's he's great. I I'm really bummed when he's out of the movie because he's. I, probably the most compelling person to watch in the movie, but and, and it's just it's another thing that's taken from her. Yeah, no, I and I, and I get that, and that's why I, there's a lot of repeated tropes. Where at this point, I'm like, I mean, we, she loses everybody in the first what minutes of the movie, and I'm like, okay, cool, not great. You know, that's a way to force characters out without really trying, and then we lose this guy who is one of the only few people. I enjoy watching in the movie. Uh, Dutton's okay too. Um, everybody else. Oh, you I don't think is, you don't dig on uh, every on, on Gallic? Everybody else is annoying the shit out of me. Oh, they're man, over. That's a, they're, that's a they're way the overacting in this movie is off the charts. Which is another which is why another reason why it falls so low. And like again, it's like you know you get somebody like Pete Postlewaite, give him more to do. Give him more to do. And and I get that. And in a way, he's a character actor. So I I'm, and he's he's doing a, a fine job with that character, but like all the like crazy random inmates in it, like who, who have all these weird ticks and shit. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't get it. I, well, and that's a, that's been a major complaint for years. It's too many characters and some of them are underdeveloped and some of them are overdeveloped. And the, and and the visual effects, how, how they got nominated for an Oscar is beyond me. And we've well, come to, a long in, way. In the assembly cut, they, they've, sort of tweaked them a little bit more and of Woof. course they're they're doing their best with pre-existing visual effects to try and smooth them out a little bit so yeah, yeah they don't some of them don't look great but that's just we're never gonna have it's just one of those things it's like touch of evil we're never gonna have the director's vision because it was hampered by studio interference and yes. not trusting the filmmaker to and, and do wh- what they do and while i don't put that on fincher and while i know that fincher distances himself from this movie He's, he has said numerous times nobody hates it more than me it's and and honestly it's it's why and i think now we we talked a little bit during seven of how when you watch a fincher movie you know it's a fincher movie curious case and alien three are the ones where i it's not. I right. don't. I don't see it. I don't feel it when I watch it. Panic Room, as much as it, it's low on our list, it's still. You can tell it's a Fincher movie when you see it. And I, it's. But you also you have to put that down to so many things. It's his first film, studio interference, again, incomplete script. Totally. But yeah. it, it's his style's not there yet. Um, the script was not great. I didn't like a lot of the acting. For me, there's just there's none of the boxes get I don't ticked. Know, man. I I do love most of the inmate. I don't have a problem with with any of the acting in it. Honestly, Oof. I love I like I, said, I love Dutton. I love the two guys who bring the ox in and their little back and forth. And I mean, D- Dutton's great. It's so and I, fucked up. I do but. really like the scenes with with Dance and Weaver. I think they're great. Yeah. I do. I I think that they're it's very subtle um, acting going on, but it's nice. It's it's detailed, but. I, Beyond that, I I don't I have I have a real real struggle connecting to them. 
I, I just got to keep coming back to Gullick, man. I really love Paul McGann in this movie as this crazed sort of guy that they all look at as an outsider. They don't like him. They say he smells bad and that he's crazy. And the, the taking, the, the, the way that he takes to the beast is something that I find really, really compelling and something that I don't think we really get in any of the other Alien movies until we come back around later to Alien Covenant sure. with the, the Michael Fassbender character. There's just something about him that's so compelling to me well this is not directly related to that but i i realized watching it the second time because i've only seen this movie twice and i rewatched it again for for this i had never actually watched this movie in its entirety oh really watching it the first time i i tried to watch it which was the first time i'd watched the the, any of the alien movies at all a couple years ago i fell asleep the first time watching this movie it just didn't keep me awake there's still, a f- I will concede, there are still quite a few tweaks that could be made to improve some of the pacing, especially in the final act. Yeah. Which sounds like that's the act they had the most trouble with anyway. Sure, yeah. But but, but I do love the callback of Lance Henriksen coming back as, as Bishop. Yeah. Which, yeah. and again, you have to watch the longer assembly cut to get the fact that he is actually human. That's a bit more ambiguous in the theatrical cut. I you don't say, see I, the, the shot I, of him getting hit in the head with the pipe and bleeding. Yeah, I noticed that. And it's, it's also it's also got a much better ending anyway because i believe in the theatrical cut you see as she falls back into that molten steel the the chest burster pops out anyway meaning that her sacrifice is kind of irrelevant because she would have died anyway in yeah the, in the assembly cut it doesn't happen and so her sacrifice actually has weight to the fact that oh she could have survived and they could have gotten this thing out of her i mean i i will i will admit that that's a better ending or you know the, like not seeing the chest burster i i agree but Ultimately, it makes no, no difference. I, I understand that. And there's uh, the, the one last thing I'll bring up is just to really hammer home Sigourney Weaver. She is incredible. There's a line that she has, and I think, again, this is truncated in the theatrical. She goes down into the basement to try and find it, and she says, you've been in my life so long, I can't remember anything else. That, when you sit in that for a moment and consider the other two movies, man, that, that line just cuts straight through me. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- anyway, that, I know I'm not going to convince you on Alien Three, well, and we definitely have a solid bottom three in terms of the Fincher rankings, which yeah. is well, so we got that covered. So, right. moving on to number seven, you want me to go first? Fight Club, Gone Girl. That's my six. Oh wow, I figured that would have been a little bit higher. So okay, so and I don't. How is Fight Club so low? How we'll get to it. How um, we'll get to it. So man, I'm frustrated. Um, great. Uh, so let's talk about Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, so my number seven, your number six. Yes. Now, when I I got to review Gone Girl, so when I was still writing for Skewed and Reviewed, this is yeah. one of the movies that I I was lucky enough to to catch a screening of a press screening of, mm-hmm. and it immediately shot towards the top. Like it was straight in my my overall Fincher list. It went straight in at number two, knocked the game down to number three, and I was just a head over heels in love with it. There's something about it six years later where the the impact of it I feel has sort of paled a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's you know, and I I already mentioned like we when we were when I was moving back from Indiana to to Washington, we listened to the entire um, audio book of it, um, and so. You know, actually, the first viewing of the movie for me was was kind of skewed, and I I liked it, but I didn't love it because there were I was expecting I was like waiting for certain scenes in the book that I didn't get. The second watch, saying like "fuck the book," I'm just gonna watch it for what it is. Was like, oh okay, wait, it, it's still really good. So I'm not. I mean, it's 
it's got career best performances as of right now from both Affleck and Rosamund Pike. And her being nominated was fantastic. Yeah. I, I really think that was a, a big win for the movies of this type getting the recognition that they deserve. So I can't take anything away from that. Oh, yeah. It's just... And I'll, I'll spoil my number six. My number six is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Now, had Gone Girl come out before Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I think this would easily be reversed for me. Sure. And we'll get into that when we talk about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I don't want to, you know, sure. put the, the cart before the horse. But yeah. It's also, you know, it's it feels like him not treading water, but it's it's like his Bridge of Spies. I think for me now, for like if I compare him to other filmmakers, we've talked about Bridge of Spies before. Like it's a good movie, sure. but it's just you're not you're not doing anything that you haven't already done before. Like yeah. the strength of Gone Girl is the story and the performances, and not necessarily that anything that Fincher does as a director. I can understand that, but again, I think that's why, like with with like we'll reference Kubrick again. His Kubrick never really pushed himself as a director in terms of the style of the camera and how he moved it, but it, it was always like it didn't matter because it, it was such a what he did was great anyway. So while I definitely agree with you in terms of it's, he's not advancing his um, his prowess as a director, he's not necessarily pushing himself. It's still a damn entertaining movie. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, 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 um, yeah. And I agree. I mean, fucking Rosamund Pike in this is incredible yeah. and actually you know what so is neil patrick harris he's he's a surprising performance it is in such it for an me. yeah it's such an uh interesting casting choice it's um, a re- it's a restrained performance which i appreciate oh, oh definitely but uh, yeah especially it's just coming so, out of that whole how i met your mother sitcom thing that he was doing for so long well, and he is he i mean he's just an audacious kind of actor you know like he does a, he does musicals and he does comedy and i think he's known for kind of having a, a bubbly presence you know so to see him do something quite the opposite well, both him and tyler perry and of yeah. course tyler perry got signed up for this film by his agent and of course he was like no i would never ever do anything like this and his agent was like Dude, come on you you're gonna tell me you're not gonna work with david fincher the fuck is wrong with you and, then, you and, go, and, and go make Medea in space and, or some bullshit. Like, and, really but in a way, do another one of those instead of working with Fincher. Tyler Perry is good in this too, and and he's, uh, he's great. I think this. that I mean, and then again, I mean, I know again, Rosamund Pike because you know she's the role. That's but Carrie Coon is also fucking awesome in yeah. this movie. This scene where, um, God, the way she's breaking down when uh, Ben Affleck is, we don't see it, but basically has told her that. She's pregnant, and I gotta stay. Yeah, now I'm stuck God, in this thing for eighteen. Her, years. I can't oh, leave man. a child alone with her. Carrie Coon, her her emotional reaction. Oh, in that she, moment what did she is, say? I can't watch you play house with that thing for eighteen years. Yeah, like, it's oh, that's tough, man. Yeah, it's oh man. Yeah. yeah. Again, this, so I'm not. It's it's a good movie. It just there, he's made six movies that are better. Yeah. And you sorry, you said Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is your six. Is yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not. We, I'm not trying to stop us from talking about Gone Girl. I was just curious. No, I got you. Um, yeah, and I, I, you know, and and obviously Gone Girl's the most recent feature length film he's he's made. Um, so who knows ultimately where it'll stand again with other rewatches and stuff. But it's, I mean, it hits all the things. I think I think I like his movies the best that have some kind of um, uh, invest investigative nature to it. There's something he the way he films. 
people either doing detective work or investigating a crime scene or whatever. Like there's a this is why you have to watch Mindhunter. There's a sense. Okay, great. The, the well, procedural nature of it, you are gonna absolutely fall in love well, with. I am excited for that. Yeah. Um, have we said our piece on Gone Girl? I think so. Okay. So, and you told me what your six was. So, we've gone halfway through. We take a little a little break from the list and and just talk about some other. Other yeah, parts absolutely. of Fincher's work. Yeah. So so it was about probably the fifth movie and probably halfway through watching rewatching these movies and I was like You're starting to see a lot of the same names. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly. Ren Kyles, you're seeing Angus Wall, you're seeing Sean Chaffin. Yep, yep. I yeah, I got some yeah, those are some of the names that so we we're just gonna talk about some of the the best from our from our from our seats, the best collaborators. Some people who make, you know, Fincher's work pop off the screen a little bit more. Um so who do you, who do you have that you want to bring up first? I'm sure well, we'll I'm sure we'll have some. So I, I have a list of five. They're not ranked. Yeah, but same I also here. I also have an honorable mention, and the honorable mention is is Brad Pitt. That he, yeah, that's one of the five I had for a, for a lot of the reasons that I talked about in the in the seven episode. Yeah, and I mean I we ragged on Ben Button a little bit, but I can't take anything away from his performance in that. And no, of course, I, I mean Tyler Durden. Yeah, you just have to say the name, and your mind is filled with images of him just being a crazy little fuck in that movie well and and again too when you look at just those three movies he's giving three totally different performances yeah which is which is great i mean it's not we're not just watching brad pitt be cool in, in the oceans movies he's yeah, they, three totally I feel like different they characters like sunk into a groove you know what i mean i feel yeah. like they are able to challenge each other yeah yeah in a way that maybe i maybe premature to say this but like early scorsese and de niro Sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely not as prolific, but yeah. but I would agree. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. But so yeah, and we probably not say much about Brad Pitt because we did seven and and yeah. But yeah, I, he definitely was somebody I wanted to bring up too. Um, there's one I have to say for the end because it's 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 my absolute. I didn't rank them, but there's one that is absolutely my favorite. Um, but we got to talk about yeah, Angus Wall and Kirk Baxter, um, yeah. editors. Now you mentioned that his, the average running time of his films are quite long, but other than Ben Button. And I know you said that you feel most of Alien 3, but I, I barely feel a beat of any of his other films. Yeah, even uh, yeah. even Gun Girl, which the interesting things about Gun Girl and, and Dragon Tattoo is the climax happens, and then there's still about another 20 minutes of movie in both of those films. Yeah. And you're, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, me too. I, yeah, totally. I have no problem with it. And it, it gets, it's just the way that, um, and, and I gotta imagine sometimes assembling his movies could be a little tough because Fincher does this thing with the camera that I really like. Well, he'll he'll do a pan, but he's also dollying, so the camera has this. I, I, I'm doing this thing with my hands that you can't see, but the camera's panning a character, but it's also moving. So there's there's a lot of dy- dynamic movement to the actual camera. Um, but then I gotta imagine cutting that together sometimes can be a That's little probably tricky. Got to be a little rough. Well, and the numerous takes that he does exactly when, when yeah. we come around to Social Network that opening scene. The the take that they used was take one hundred. Yeah, which this is the only thing I got to rag on Fincher about is like, dude, you don't need to do that many takes. I don't know what it is you're looking for. I'm not saying you have to be Clint Eastwood either. Because exactly, I know that's exactly. Frustrating. Yeah. Like, oh, one and done. Like, oh no, can I? Nope, we're moving on. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. But equally as frustrating, and it's the thing I'd rag on Kubrick for as well. Did he really need? 150, 200 takes of Nicole Kidman in Eyes Wide Shut. No, probably not. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand this need to, I get you're looking for when it's, it's natural and when it's not, it doesn't feel scripted anymore. You're looking for the most realistic thing possible. But I honestly think from the numerous interviews that I've heard with, with actors and directors that I feel like you're probably going to get that pretty early on. 
you know, if you if you don't have it in ten takes, then you probably need to scrap the thing and and start from scratch. I mean, that's just me as a as a layman hypothesizing, but I just I can't I cannot fathom any reason for a hundred takes. No, oh, I, of I, anything. I, I'm not. Ever. Gonna, I will not disagree with you on that one. <laughs> that that's insane. So I I have to imagine that that Angus Wall, whenever a film comes into the cutting room of Fincher's, that he always has a mountain of work. I can't say I envy you. No, 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 no. I mean, and and uh, uh, I so I wait. I have it here. So um, Angus Wall uh, was on uh, Panic Room and Zodiac, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Social Network, and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and um, they both worked on Curious Case, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and it was just Kirk Baxter who was on Gone Girl. Um, that's just that's what. But I mean, that's a huge chunk of, of Fincher's movies. A quick um, sidebar, I because I because I mentioned Nicole Kidman in Eyes Wide Shut, and you just mentioned in the list Panic Room. Panic Room is that a better movie if it's Nicole Kidman instead of Jodie Foster? Who? Yeah, you're right. Who it was supposed to be? Um, yeah. For you, anyway. Pro- probably just because I like Nicole Kidman more. Yeah, I, I just I find her more interesting and charismatic to watch on screen. So I'd, I'd still love to see her one day in a in a Fincher film. Especially the way she's been challenging herself over the last five or ten years. Yeah, I would agree with that. Anyway, back to back to collaborators. Um, Jeff Cronenworth. Oh, he's on my list. I mean that the the guy that helps set the tone and and the, the just the look and the composition of these films. I mean, you talked about the dollying and tracking, and and I have to imagine that 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 is an, a rewarding collaboration based on what we get on screen. Because as you said, you know when you're watching a Fincher film. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of whenever they get to work. So they've done four films together, and I'll just go down the 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 list of the the four they've done together. They've done uh, Fight Club, Social Network, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. And he's also a, 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 another cinematographer, of course, we've already mentioned, uh, Darius Kanji, who mm-hmm. uh, I've got a little quote from him. He said, Fincher deserves a lot of credit. It was his influence that pushed me to experiment and got me as far as he did. So, I mean, that's singing his praises there. And he was actually fired off of uh, Panic Room, interestingly enough, because they couldn't agree on uh, the sort of the tone of the film or certain aspects of uh, production. So he was replaced by uh, Conrad Hall. But it's nice that yeah, that's right. even yeah, yeah. though Fincher had to part ways with him on that film, that Kanji would still say something, you know, as complimentary as that. Yeah, Je- yeah, yeah, definitely. Jeff Cronenworth. And then uh, Sean Chaffin was, I mean... Was another one for you? And I, Yeah, I mean, and obviously there's a consistency there with being married to him, but, you know... That it's, if it's a constant that's working, then then obviously something's going right. And it's been working for the better part of twenty five years. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, since the game, right? Right. Yeah. It was when she was the, the first time she was full time. I believe she was some sort of consultant on Seven. Okay. But yeah, I mean that's. I mean, was, I mean that's great. I'm glad that there's some kind of constant that's really helping him do whatever. But whatever it is, keep it keep it going. I mean. So I've also got. I've also got uh, Redden Kyles. We can't say enough about him as far as collaborators go. And Fincher has said that he trusts him implicitly. Yeah. And as I mentioned in, in Seven, I mean, he's his work shines from the minute that movie opens with building the sounds of the city. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny, too. Uh, um, I want to say, I think, I think uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo 
oh no, that was editing, I think. But I mean, the, the sound editing and everything going on with the, the sound in general in his movies, it's, it's very apparent um, in, in a good way. I think everything's working together really well. And the, they do a lot to disarm you, I think, as well through yeah. sound. Yeah. Um, the, so the last one I had. Is it Trent Reznor and Atticus <laughs> Rose? You know it. Yeah. You know Those it. Those two guys. The score for Social Network. Pretty much every time I prep an episode, chances are I'm listening to the score for yeah. Social Network. I, I've It's something I play uh, at the beginning of classes when I teach movement stuff. It's a stretch, too. It's stuff I listen to when I'm grading papers, when I'm writing. It's it's awesome. And, and it's... It's. I think. I think that soundtrack is better than um, than Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, only because and and and, and Gone Girl and well, it's a little more varied than that's, the other. Two. That's what I was gonna say. Is like when like in the movies, it it works perfectly in those movies. But as a as a thing to listen to outside of it, Social Network, it's it's kind of crazy how easy it is to listen to that soundtrack. Yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. Even even outside of the movie. Yeah, and then that's when you what come I, back and you revisit it. In the movie, you get to bring a lot of that good feeling about the soundtrack with you in those scenes, and it just it serves to enhance it. And yeah, the I, this is why Trent Reznor is such a visionary, such an incredible artist. Who would have thought to do that with in the Hall of the Mountain King? During, I love that. That's incredible. It's one of my favorite fucking things ever. In it's so movie. good. Yeah, it's so good. And of course, in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, where he's like, they they do the cover of Immigrant Song over yeah. the opening credits, which again is another great one of the things that is amazing about Fincher films. You know, one of the opening his credits, staples, his opening credit sequences are stunning. I was just going to say, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Outside was... of Bond movies, like nobody else does that kind of title. Work. And that's actually that's exact. It made me think of a Bond movie, but more like, and not just because it's Daniel Craig, but like the. It's hard. How would you? It's like liquid metal, fucking morphing into an out of. Well, like, they designed it to be like one of Lisbeth's nightmares. Oh, is that? Oh, fuck. Well, there you go. Yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mentioned in seven something that I wanted to bring up in this episode yeah. is uh, needle drops mm-hmm. in his movie. I have a list of some of them. So in the game, we have White Rabbit. Yes. Uh, in Fight Club, we have that excellent ending. Where is my mind? The yep. Pixies. Uh, Zodiac has Hurdy Gurdy Man mm-hmm. by Donovan. Social Network has opens with Ball and a Biscuit. Yes. From White Stripes. Dragon Tassie, of course, I just mentioned, has actually two great covers. It, it opens with the Immigrant Song, yeah. the Karen O, and then uh, Trent Wersner's wife, her band, um, How to Destroy Angels, does a cover of uh, Brian Ferry's Is Your Love Strong Enough? Okay. Which is, I think, really, really haunting. Yeah. Especially where it comes, the end of that movie to leave you and sit with you at the end of that movie with that cover, I think is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, nice. So yeah, those were we mentioned all the ones I was gonna. So I'm I'm glad we gave some shout out to the especially people who probably wouldn't get a lot of shout out necessarily because yeah. it's David Fincher and because who who takes the time to stop and talk about editors and sound designers? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they are so integral to what he does. The overall feel of a Fincher yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I I don't think there is. A quote-unquote Fincher movie without them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I I want to hop back in with my five because it's 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 the girl with the dragon tattoo. Perfect. And, and that I figured, was I that just, was my number six. Yeah, exactly. Which which is which is great. Um, I, I have a question for you about yeah. girl with the dragon dragon tattoo. Is it his nastiest film? Is it his like drop down get out nastiest fuck you movie? I think so. I think so. And that's for me is why it edged out Gone Girl. Yeah. Um, 
and and it was funny because I and I have I have similar thoughts about Gone Girl and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is in a real way I didn't find them absolutely necessary. And, and what I mean by that is. Gone well, one, Girl. One's a remake and one's an adaptation. Yes, and and um, the original trilogy of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies um, are all really good. Numi Rapace is great. Um, Michael Nyquist as the Daniel Craig part. They're probably not anymore. For a while, they were all on Netflix, and way back when. Well, no, they still are. They have. Oh, the, are they? They have the extended miniseries version. Oh, okay, of them. it's like okay. nine hours or something. But you know, Melissa and I watched all those movies back to back to back, and and while the the second the girl who played with fire and the girl who kicked the hornet's nest aren't as great. Um, the original one is still really good. And it's funny. I remember again, first view of girl, the dragon tattoo. I'm like, I like this, but I don't, you know, I had the other one in my head. And then again, and I only seen this movie. This is only the second time I've seen it, but kind of ignoring the fact that it, it was a remake. I, this movie is, is, uh, it, it, it what the great thing about this movie is, we're on two separate journeys for a very long time. And it's not until what an hour, it's 10 hour 15. Yeah. It's well over an hour where they meet. They actually, they actually are working together. Um, but I don't give a fuck. It's I'm, how much does Christopher Plummer break your heart? Oh man. He's just the goddamn best. He's really good. He's really good. And the, well, this whole cast, this cast is insane. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Rooney Mara, and it's well. It's funny because Daniel Craig doesn't even commit to the the dialect, um, which is fine. I don't care. I you give up on it, and I, we realize that. But Rooney Mara is like she's all in, man. Like the the voice and the the character and the physicalization and and here's a way to, to like well the fact that she actually changed herself physically. She actually got all of those piercings, including the nipple piercing. Yeah. Um. But and so I don't know. I know. I mean, her her relationship to her social worker is um, it's dist- it's fucked up and and uh, as storytelling goes like and she even kind of says it later on when she's when she's finally kind of tied him up that you know I basically thought I was just gonna have to blow you again which is bad enough as it is but when that happened like it's one of the hardest things to watch when she's fucking with him but it's also like it's I'm cringing but I'm also going like it's a more. Mo- it's a massive victory. Yes. So the first time that I that Liz and I watched this, she hadn't seen. It. I had seen it in theaters. Fucking loved it. I like. It was one of those things. I think if I'm remembering the day right, I think I went out to a Thai restaurant afterwards, and I just kind of sat there. Yeah. Like, I just. I didn't know. I barely ate. I, like I ordered this thing. I barely ate. I was like, I, like wow. I was just struggling to process this thing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know anything about the books. I didn't hadn't. I knew of the Swedish language versions. I hadn't seen them. And yeah. I, of course, knew of Numi Rapace because um, that's when they were gathering steam on Prometheus, and they were talking. Ridley Scott was talking a lot about her and how he watched the original like three times in a row. It's like I have to have her in yeah. something. I've got to work with her. When I've already on a side conversation, I already told you like that the best scene in Prometheus is her inside the um, uh, inside the the cryotube. Fucking thing. Christ! Yeah, insane, that is though. that is nuts. But so when when Liz and I watch Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and we get to the rape scene, she's like, "Oh, please, do we have to keep watching?" I really, I'm like, "No, please." I know it's tough. Yeah. And if you want to leave the room for a minute, you you do you, but you don't give up. It, it's for a reason. Yeah. Like this is for a very, very, and then we've talked about that, like the necessity of, of sex scenes or rape scenes and things like that. But this one I feel is wholly justified Yeah, in the sense that we do get it. We do get this thing come full circle. And apparently from what I've been told of somebody who, who was very much into these books, there is a quite a large rape culture in Sweden. Oh, 
that, that, that is a problem that is, I don't, I don't want to use the word rampant, but it is yeah. a, a problem that they deal with as a society up there. Well, and, 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 and I, uh, just to go back what you, to what you said, I, and maybe this is what you were driving at, but not just, not just storytelling in terms of, um, her getting the revenge on him, but also like what kind of, I think gets her into working with Daniel Craig, which is that I want you to help me find a killer of women. And like the look on her face. Yeah. Is amazing. Yeah. And you Great. know that she's in. Um, and I was talking about the supporting cast. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. Go no, ahead. no, mine's more about the ending. So please, I, I'd rather end with the oh, ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The supporting cast in this. So we already mentioned. Um, uh, Talk about Stellar Skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Stellan Skarsgård, man. He, yeah, he's he's great. And this reads me. I I brought up the needle drops. I saved this one. Sail away, sail Orinoco away. flow. Oh man! I mean, for me, where is my mind? Is his best needle drop, but this is his most fucked up one. Yeah, and apparently it was just they couldn't decide on one, and they were just sitting around with their iPods. And Daniel Craig went, "Well, what about this?" And they went, "Yes, this." There's something about to the uh, methodical, nonchalant nature of of of. It's because it's just routine for him. Yeah. It's just something oh, that man. he's been doing since you and I, I that thing where he finally meets the Jolie Richards figures out who Jolie Richards character actually is that yeah. she is Harriet mm-hmm. and she's like I just replaced one with the other as far as killing the father and then yeah. the Stellan Skarsgård character her brother yeah. takes over raping and murdering and all of that the 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 moment in that scene that is the most disarming other than Orinoco flow by Enya being played is when he's 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 got his hand up against his abdomen and he's trying to he's testing out where he's going to stab him once he's got Daniel Craig all chained up yeah and he stops and he says you ever had a man inside you and then he's almost there's a moment of almost self-disgust that he even had that thought and he walks away for a moment like Stellan Skarsgård is again, I talk about underrated character actors like Leela Norser in Seven. Yeah. Stellan Skargillard needs more work. Put him in more shit. He's great. I know, I know he works a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to see him in more mainstream shit. Have you, ever, have you seen the original Insomnia? I haven't. Okay. But I imagine he's incredible in it because he's incredible in fucking everything he's he good. does. I, I have thoughts about the, that move, that version of it in general, but he's, he's, he's good in it, yeah. Um, is he the Pacino part? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine him doing some great things with that. Yeah. Um, I, I just the last thing I want to say is I so um, the ending of the movie is not like the ending of the book um, because obviously the movie like her relationship with Michael Nyquist continues on through like the next but there was something I don't know I don't know if it was intentional I have not read this but I, I, I like this that when she she throws the coat away and she she goes the I don't know if you've noticed this but when she takes off on the motorcycle she's going the wrong way down a one way street there's a do not enter sign there's something so I that I could just hear fin, that's Fincher saying, "I'm not doing the other books." That's just, that's the way I interpreted it. But I really I really like like her taking off, being like, "I'm done. I'm done with this story. I'm not well, coming back to it." The plan was for him to do the full trilogy originally, from what I remember reading, and well, the fact that him and Sony just kept clashing over the tone well, and, and maybe the length. Maybe and, that was part. I don't know, but there's just something about, and maybe I'm just seeing that years later and knowing that he he didn't do others and he well he did executive produce the the claire foy one that came out which i heard was not good. i heard it was fucking terrible yeah, no. but of course once fincher's out then you lose daniel craig you lose rooney nar they're not working on another yeah. one without him and yeah. so i think that's I, they had written the blomkrist character out completely yeah yeah it's yeah. like ah oh, this is you sony really fucked this up you should have backed i mean yeah it didn't make a shit ton of money but it is a 
quality piece of film. And really I really is. wish they had backed him. Because yeah. I walked out of that thing going, yeah, I need the other two. I need two more of these. <laughs> I just kind of wish they had struck when the iron was hot. You know what I mean? Because we've got a gap of, what, seven years between this one and the other one with Claire Foy. And, it, yeah. and that made, I mean, if Girl with Dragon Tattoo didn't make any money, that one made no money. At that point, yeah. you got, like I said, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Who yeah, gives a shit at this point? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what what's your five? My number five is the game. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll save that chat. Um my number four is Zodiac. That is not my number four. My number four is social network. Okay. My number three is the game. Okay. Okay. So that we we'll talk about the game. Uh, this is uh, one of the few films that me and my dad have bonded over. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which I'm like, I mean, my dad doesn't have bad taste in films. I'm just like, sure. really, this one? Like, this is, oh, that's fucking cool. I, yeah. I dig that you dig this movie. I guess he had seen it on TV. And he was like, yeah, the ending of this thing. Like, I think the ending of this thing really, like, so I got, got I, to him. I have to give you a little bit of a, uh, this is a personal history lesson with, with Adam. So this, um, so this is, a, this is a 97 release, and I, you know, back then, movies were in theaters much, much longer. And then it took it took longer for them to come out on, on, like, VHS and even longer to come out, like, on cable. So it was at some point, and I'm sure it had been out for a while, but it was at some point when it had finally come on to uh, VHS. And I was visiting my grandparents, and they had it. And I, I watched it. I, but I must have only been, like, 11 or 12 or something. And yeah, we're looking at, like, 98, 99. Yeah, yeah but, so probably at 11. When when I it must have maybe just recently came out on VHS and I watched it and I, I really really liked it like eleven year old me dug the like the twists and everything and then it was finally coming to cable early internet days and it was on TBS and they they were doing this thing where during the commercial breaks you had to go online and you could play a game you, and like you would answer questions or like blah 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 and like it was a sweepstakes but back like early internet like 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 flash player stuff. And I was so giddy about like watching the movie and then going online and answering the questions. There's definitely a nostalgia factor again. But when I watched this the other night, I was so into this movie. I, I and it might beyond. I would say behind Seven and Fight Club, it is the one I've seen the most. I I just fucking love yeah, this movie. Well, that's about right. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 the performances in it for me are all yep incredible. Sean Penn. Yep. It gives a really restrained performance for Sean Penn. Yeah. Uh, the one guy really, James Riphorn. Yes. He is fantastic, especially when it, he comes back around and Michael Douglas tracks him and he's there yeah. at the zoo with his kids. I'm like, oh, shit, it's going to go down. And the way that he, I don't know, man, he sells it so hard. Riphorn? Yeah. 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 Like everything he does in this movie is great. How nonchalant he is at the beginning of the movie. And yeah. then when he realizes that shit's going south. Like yeah. He does an amazing job to, yeah. to sell his character and his performance. And there's and and I you know it's one of those things too where I get you know th- th- I get where people are going to see flaws in the movie and and I get that you know but I, I you know watching it again it's like you know he's he's turning the age that his dad was when his dad committed suicide and he he's becoming isolated like the only person he really seems to have any kind of conversations with are his lawyer and his maid he's totally isolated himself in this big old fucking house. And it, I don't know. I, I feel like the storytelling is, is, is great. And I, I, again, and he's worked, you know, the cinema, um, 
it wasn't Jeff Cronenworth, but it was it was somebody else. Harris Harris Savitas. Yeah, thank you. I just there's just something about this movie that, and it's not and while it's not an investigation, there's that you know there's like there's Michael Douglas as what the fuck is happening to me? There's that procedural nature yeah, that exactly. Fincher finds a way to make so interesting. And I, I think this is one of the, still one of the most original scripts of yeah. the last 25, 30 years. And uh, I mean, there's a couple of leaps in logic that you have to make, but I mean, it's a fucking movie. Well, like, and there was, and again, there were things I've noticed each time that like, you, you go like, well, how, how did that happen? And, and what, so there's a scene later on where, uh, uh, Michael Douglas is going to is it Deborah Kerr Unger is that yes. her name yeah so he's going and to she is so she's great. great she's great. yeah yeah she's fantastic probably in this. still the best thing she's ever done um and he goes to like where she lives and um uh and we see that there's a van parked outside that says like something something with cable cable repair service when it's at the CRS and you already and if you're paying attention you you, you see that. That's but, what makes this film so rewatchable is all the little Easter eggs you get to find and as I, you go. Anyway, sorry, and go I, ahead. No, and, but I feel like it's like, you know, at this point, I feel like I've seen a shitload of them and I understand them. But there's something that happens um, when he when he like he knocks the 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 video camera that's spying them off the off the, in the smoke detector and they get out of the van and there's a bunch of guys getting guns. But there's one guy who gets out and he has like a um, he's wheeling um, um, a garbage can and we don't see what he's doing. At all, but because we know the other guys are going with the guns, and she, at the end she talks, she mentions that everything was squibs and everything was rigged, and you can understand that maybe the building that she's in, but they get back into his car and the glass does it, and I, and you just you have to make the connection, but you know the guy that didn't have a gun that had that garbage can, he's rigging the car at that moment. Oh, it's so great! Devils it's, in the details. It's just man. fucking. It's so awesome, and it's it's I I. I just so giddy it just makes yeah. me very giddy to watch that movie and it does and then it harkens back to my childhood and i totally watched it, it, it oh this was my first fincher movie oh nice i know this was my first fincher movie so there's also a well, connection mine, mine to was that. seven yeah. yeah so anyways again way too young to be seeing seven that's true yeah that's and probably fair. both of us way too young to be seeing this as well but yeah, that's fair yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's very much it it established him as i think the heir to hitchcock's throne yeah yeah i don't I, there's for me there's no one else Oh, I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's lots of contenders, but the actual heir to Hitchcock's throne is David Fincher. Yeah. End of story. I'm fine with that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with that one. Uh, okay. So, so what is with the ending? Just, do you anything on the ending? Uh, does your heart still leap out of your throat every time? Because the number of times that I've seen it, it still does it for me. Well, there, there's such a determination. Like when he wakes up in Mexico and. He, Which is a reference to a Sam Peckinpah film, the Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. Yeah. When he he makes it back and he he has to humiliate himself to ask for a ride and sell his watch and and all this has happened and he's he gets to his house and he takes the cold shower and he, and, and every, everything's happening the way it is, um, the way that again they sell the where'd you get that gun? Oh yeah, that's like that's not an automatic. What you know and. When when Sean Penn gets shot as as um as he as the door gets opened, it's like you you think he's got to live in that now, and then he jumps off like his dad, and then he he lives and there's something about it's a birthday gift, but like shocking somebody back into reality, and it's fucked up, of course, but it, 
you, it's like it's like that moment in Fight Club where he goes, it's when they they do it the sacrifice the first time, and it's like, and I don't, I'm not trying to jump ahead, but where he goes, you know, his breakfast is going to taste sweeter than any breakfast we've ever had. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Michael Douglas's life from this point on is going to be better. Yeah, I know? remember. I remember actually crying a little bit at the end of the game. It was a, it was like a cry of like relief. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not sadness or happiness or anything, but just relief. It's like the sheer weight of this. For me, it's like the end of 127 hours or the end of Captain Phillips when you've just been on this emotional fucking roller coaster and to have to come out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Good references. And, and like of course that. the yeah. And of course the the bill. I love the the bit with the bill at the other little throwaway moment. Do you want me to help you with this? And then we shows him how much and the look on Michael Douglas's face is great. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you know that thing is like we're in the tens of millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I mean it's such a it's a definitely a favorite of mine. Um so what's your three? My three is Fight Club. Okay. So you want to know why this is so low on my it's list. It was seven for you. It right? was seven for yeah. me. Do you want to? Okay, well, let's start with that because I don't get me wrong. I do like this movie. Rewatching it was really interesting because I think it's trying to say a lot and doesn't actually say anything at all. You are the only person I have ever heard say that about this film. I just think there's so like. I get that this that um, like plot wise, you know, that, you know, Edward Norton is at this job and he's he's an insomniac. And then and, and granted, this is in the book. So we we won't do a, like a deep, deep dive because at some point I'm sure we'll cover Fight Club. Um, and I will say it should be in the book. I'm not going to say it shouldn't be in the book. But um, there's just there's just something about all of the philosophy that Brad Pitt spouts. And I, it really hit home. It's after they steal the fat and they're making um the soap for the first time and he goes this is the chemical burn and you know all this shit you know if our our fathers were our models for god if our fathers bailed what does that tell you about god and there's this whole stuff and at the end of that scene i was like why and and i'm not trying to shit on the movie because i i definitely like it but this was the big i mean when i pre-ranked pre pre-rewatch this was at number three and then i i rewatched all these movies again and i was like man it doesn't. It doesn't hit home, like before. I think there's. I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been reading, you know, following people coming to it for the first time on film Twitter twenty years after the fact. Yeah. Like I think it's a movie that's become pretty easy to shit on, and, and see, it's, now it's a part of like bro culture. Yes. Yes. And I, it, 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 the two things: I've, bro culture and toxic masculinity, which are very similar. But but yes, and that's not it. I'm I'm telling you and I'm, and our listeners, that's not why I'm I'm backing off of it. Well, and I also think that that's it's pretty easy to dismiss it like that when you don't stop to think about the indictment of capitalism that this film is, the indictment of consumerism and the, the angstiness of being rudderless and lost. Yeah. And yeah, they go about it in absolutely the wrong way, but that's the parable of the movie. Well, no, and, and it's, again, it's not, I, I enjoy the scenes. I enjoy the performances. I, there are, and I, the, the, the kind of, um, uh, it, oh, well, I think Helena Bonham Carter has never been better. I don't oh, think she's, she's great. Yeah, um, this is my favorite performance of hers. Maybe not in some people's mind her best, but it's my favorite performance of hers. Yeah, I, it, and and the filmmaking is great. And it's it's again we we kind of mentioned it when we talk about Panic Room. Like it's it's him getting more into visual effects. Like the whole um, 
credits starting inside the brain and then working its way through cells. And the shot and coming out of the garbage can with when deep space exploration ramps up and yeah. be the corporations that name everything. And 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 this uh, this is kind of the thing like with in a way with uh, curious cases. There's a lot of like side things, you know, like the going through Edward Norton's apartment and seeing all the catalog details come up. And like that's great. Is it necessary? No. But I in a movie like this though, which is kind of um emotionally all over the place, you know, it it fits. It's because it's a funny, it's a lighter moment of the movie. And and ultimately this isn't a a heavy movie. You know, you could say its themes are, but I think the movie itself is it's not lighthearted, but it's because there's fun. a lot of tongue in cheek about it. Yes. I think it would be like lumping it into toxic masculinity and bro culture, I think it would be easy for some people to easily to just dismiss this movie as style over substance, which I I can't agree with either. I think this is a very delicate, very well structured balance of style and substance, and I think they they work in tandem with each other very very well. I think they they help elevate each other. Yeah, the style and the substance. And I and I said the, the it's not that I'm I'm not confused by the plot, and I, I'm not confused about what what's going on in the movie. I think there are some 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 of the the dialogue where we're we're trying to sound more profound it 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 falls short to me now and it's not to say that i think that's got something to do with age maybe like i mentioned coming to it at the right age so if you if you don't mind me tangenting i'll I'll talk about the first time i saw it i was 13 and think about where you are at 13 as as a young man you know your body changing and hormones and testosterone and all that shit and you you're you're angsty and you have nowhere to put it and i feel like this movie and this book uh, were a great outlet for that. I'm not saying that it's just for 13 year old boys, but yeah. certainly my my opinions have changed, and it sounds like yours have as well. As if you move into your 30s, I think this is a film that can evolve if you let it. It's a film, and I'm not saying that you haven't, but if if you're open to it, I think it's a film that can evolve with you. Yeah, yeah, and it's again, and I and I want to say that I <laughs> I am as surprised as you that it fell as low as it did. Again, pre ranking number three. I just think it, and, and I've mentioned like it's not as it's not as procedural, and I, I don't I don't want I don't want to be spoon fed movies, and I it's not that I, you know, and, and in a way I feel like Fincher gets lopped in with having a twists in his movies too, um, oh like a Shyamalan like oh, okay where's, yeah, where's the, the twist? where's the thing, yeah. and this is early enough in his career where you you can think whatever you want to about that it, it's fairly true he his, a lot of his movies do have like a like a oh shit like that's that's what happened that's who that was or whatever. I, I just, I think it it's, and, and, and again now that I've, I've I've swung one way right where I think it's I think it's trying to be more profound than it really is. Now I'm not saying it's not profound. I just think it's it's not as grand as it wants to be. But maybe now that I've I've seen it that way, the next time I come back, it's gonna be like, oh no 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 no, it's actually this this and this. But you know, to, to have seen all of his movies so close together. Honestly, that's where it is now. Yeah, there, there's some stuff that can definitely get lost in the noise, which is kind of maybe how I'm feeling about Gone Girl. Sure. Because I did the same as you. I watched them all in, in pretty close succession. Yeah. So obviously there's some stuff where the noise is going to get turned down because you've just had, you know, like I said, I watched Gone Girl and, and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo in the same day. And that's, kind of, it's kind of not fair to Gone Girl. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll I'll uh, I'll recount the full story because I think it's it's a funny anecdote. The first time that I saw Fight Club, so I saw Fight Club uh, the year after it came out. It had gone to pay per view, and I had a buddy who uh, taped it 
off of a pay-per-view for me. He's like, dude, you have to see, I rent me and my dad, we rented this movie. We loved it. We're going to rent it again on pay-per-view. I'm going to copy it on a VHS this time and give it to you. Nice. <laughs> and so he did. And I put it on and he's like, I'm sorry, sorry, man. I like, I fucked up. Like it's missing the first 10 minutes. So it actually, it comes in for me. It started when he's telling off Marla in his mind. Um, you know, you Marla, you big faker, you no. tourist. I need this. Get no, out of here. Get out. Yeah. So that's where it started for me, and I was like, "Oh, this is a, this is abrasive." But I was I managed to like keep up and and you know fill in the blanks myself. Now, before I finish the story, anybody who hasn't seen it, Tyler, his alter ego, Tyler has many night jobs. One of them is splicing single frames of pornography into family films. He's a projectionist, indeed. And, um, so of course, the great needle drop happens at the end of the movie with Pixies, Where Is My Mind, which I still think is one of the all-time greatest closing credit songs fucking ever. And that moment of, you met me at a very strange time in my life. Yeah. I just, I, it was all I could do to stop from cheering. Yeah. Like, pretty much every time I see it, it just makes me so goddamn happy. Yeah. Um, so I just sit there, and of course there's the flash of the, of the penis again. Yeah, yep, that's there. At the end, and then the credits roll. Yeah. And then I'm just sat there and I'm enjoying the Pixies song. And this is really like my first sort of exposure to Pixies as well. And I'm digging the song. And then the movie, the credits end. And the VHS goes into hardcore German dubbed pornography. And I thought to myself, oh, is this like for like six seconds? I was like, oh, did they just do it again? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) no. Like he, the tape that he used, he like just grabbed any random VHS from his dad. And it was... A porno tape that oh, he had taped over that's, with Fight Club. That's glorious. Yeah, that's wonderful. So that, that was my first. Yeah, and there was, you know, that explains I think a lot about me. <laughs> and I was never the same again. That's fair. That's fair. Oh God. I think we're at our our number two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number two is the Social Network. That was my number four. Yes. Uh, Aaron Sorkin script. Greatest script of the century so far. I'm just I'm gonna throw it out there. And that's and this is a this is a a movie where it's it's really a combination of so many things. It's and and well, if people are doing math, people already know what my number one is because I already said what my number two is. But I think it took not a not great movie for him to make a great movie. Um, Because this could have been basic TV movie of the week bullshit. But there's some so so there's just a little bit of going through chronologically, right? So he does Alien Three, right? It not very not very great, not very not very good. But then, again, for reasons outside of his control. Sure, but then he follows it up with Seven, awesome. Uh, then he, there's Panic Room. It's one of the greatest about faces of all time, from Alien Three to Seven. Yeah, then we get Panic Room, and it's it's okay. It's commercially successful, but people are kind of like, well, what is this? And then he waits four years and does Zodiac. Which I know we're not. We have yeah. Um, I think this curious case, which feels unlike him, it feels very studio like pleasing, uh, and then he follows it up with Social Network, which is like it's like he's going back to his roots, but it's like he's taking you know because he's also in a, a lot of graphic you know there are graphic moments in all of his movies prior to this, um, and then he does this like just a drama. Like in a way, like an historical drama, which again is it's partly fictionalized. It's based off of a fictional book uh, about real things. But man, it, Sorkin's script, Fincher's direction, 
easily the best Jesse Eisenberg has ever been. We're introduced to Army Hammer. Andrew Garfield knocks it out of the park. In fact, this is my major grievance that Andrew Garfield didn't get an Oscar nomination. Boggles my fucking mind. And and upon this this most recent rewatch, he is he is so good when he when he finally finally rips into Zuckerberg after he breaks the the laptop. I'm not coming back for thirty percent. I'm coming back everything and when he, he steps into justin Timberlake, he goes i love standing next to you i feel so tough and speaking of jt this it proved that he wasn't just a pretty face yeah. who could sing a pop song he's fucking great in I, this. I there are anytime he's on screen it's the fucking justin timberlake show. yeah and then and then i was thinking about this too there's um when he so he comes back from the, the there's the opening scene very infamous opening scene where he goes you know if if you know you don't whatever you know it'll be because you're an asshole right and that's, you know, what what basically launches this idea. And it goes, you know, but when he when he's just he basically he's blogging and then starting this face mash website and that it's like, OK, this could this isn't necessarily good writing or anything. It's just it is what it is. You throw in the editing, you throw in the score. Oh, when when Trent Reznor kicks it off right there, you know, you're in for something different i i knew that immediately like this is going to be like no other film i've ever seen yeah and 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 it and it is and this and i think this i you know people can have different opinions on whatever but this is easily in the top five if not top three if not top two the academy fucked it up they really got the wrong movie that year 100 percent. and i I won't and nothing wrong with king speech king speech just gonna say that it's a good movie isn't just a good movie king speech is a great movie with three incredible performances in it yep i agree totally agree but this is just fucking better. This in is every way. And this is this is like the hindsight. It's like, you know, it's 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 giving it to Dances with Wolves over Goodfellas. It's giving it to Shakespeare in Love over Saving Private Ryan. It's Lord of the Rings over Mystic River. It's on this level. It, it it's on that level. And I think besides the I'd Goodfellas go one, I'd, I'd say this is this is giving its ordinary people over Raging Bull. Well, you know how I, I know how you that. feel about Raging Bull, yeah, but you know yeah, the yeah. rest of us rational thinking <laughs> film fans feel about that. <laughs> Whatever, um, but yeah, it, it's just crazy. It's uh, and I got when I got done watching this movie, and the other thing too is that it's also one of his shortest, and it just it's two hours on the nose, it just clips. Yeah, and again, I think and I think there's something being said about class, something being said about. Um, principle something being said about uh ownership obviously but 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 beyond just the legal stuff you know it, and when it gets to the end it goes into the implications of a connected world yeah yeah i oh and this is also in the book so we won't do the deepest of dives now Correct. yeah but yeah. i this movie so, so i will good. i will concede this movie would probably be my number two if i did not have the nostalgic feelings that i have for fight club and my number two which is seven well, let's talk about seven because that's my number one. All right. Well, we if you if you want, you, our listeners can go back a week and they can listen to us talk about. Oh, seven that's fair. At, that's at true. That's true. But if there are some um, more bullet points that you wanted to hit, um, I, and I, I so I think it's, which I think you I should. Just, I mean, I, I the only thing make I, a case for it being your number. It's one. my number one. Yeah. So it's when I put in when I try to think of all the factors and it's. I think the reason why the social network doesn't quite make it to my one is because I I won't lie. I do like the gritty. I do like crime stuff. I don't I don't I don't shy away from it. And I'm not saying that social network social network would have been better if there'd been a scene of violence or whatever. That's that's not it. But there's something about adding 
adding that part of it in the cleverness of the seven deadly sins the the way that you know the cinematography and the editing works um there's just something about i think all the factors just can honestly it's for me it it hits my buttons just a little bit more than social network um and obviously we talked at it at length last week but it's my number one because when i think of all the reasons why i like film it just it just ticks off more of the boxes i think and i i can't yeah. argue with you so my number one is zodiac yeah because zodiac is a masterpiece <laughs> It's, it's very good. I, it's a great so where movie. was like go back? It was number was, four. It was number four for you. Yeah, below, uh, below the game and above. Um, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. All right. Yeah. I don't Zodiac for me. It's a culmination. So before that, we have Panic Room, which is his overstylized film. Yes. And with Zodiac, he brings it back down to earth. Mm-hmm really really well and yeah it's it's after fight club which is his movie that was a social commentary and, mm-hmm. and really tried to say something it's his, his after the game and and seven which are these great stylized incredibly dark procedural kind of thrillers with massive massive twists at the end zodiac just brings all of that sort of to a head and manages to juggle all of those types of things at the same time and it's got three I still, I think these are still the three best performances of of these guys. I, I think Fincher knows how to get amazing. Like I said in the seven episode, thus those are my favorite performances from those three leads. It's same in Zodiac. I don't think Hall, Ruffalo, or Downey Jr. have been better than they are in this movie. Uh, my quick reaction is I would give you two of three. It's is not it, Hall's best. Night, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In my in my mind. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I so saw this was fun. so rewatching this movie. I knew it was. I, I know it's a long movie. That that, that wasn't going to stop me from and watching. The director's cut, I think, about five minutes longer. Yeah, and it, and yeah. it adds some pretty pivotal stuff. Yeah, it adds back in. Um, it adds back in uh, some more stuff with the Brian Cox character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it also adds. Um, it adds getting the warrant to go into Arthur Lee Allen's place, which I think is a pretty fucking important scene. Over the phone, why, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know why that was gone. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about it is Ione Skye, who is famous for having been in Say Anything, uh, she plays the Kathleen Johns character, the one that gets picked up on the side of the road with a baby. She's still, her cameo is uncredited in both the director's cut and the theatrical. That's I weird. thought it was a really interesting, yeah. interesting touch. And there's a, a few more scenes with between Graysmith and Avery. Yeah. Um, Oh wait, so really, so sorry. So uh, when I re- went to rewatch it, um, so I started it, and uh, Melissa was doing—I think she was doing payroll or something. So she was kind of watching, but she was also doing some work. And Stella was upstairs. Um, we gave her, we said, "Hey, you know, you get thirty minutes to watch uh, something on the TV upstairs, and then you get to play in your room." So uh, we're watching the movie, and I had to pause, I pause it thirty minutes in, go upstairs. So I said, "Hey, you got to watch, stop, and go play for a little bit." And then I, I, so it's a school night. And I'm I'm into the movie, and Melissa finally goes, "Hey, weren't you gonna go put Stella to bed?" And it was like thirty minutes past her bedtime, and I'm like, "Oh, f- fuck, bad dad." So I pause it, go upstairs, tuck her in, and I come back down, and I'm like, "I don't want this movie to end." And then I I, I click the timeline bar. I still had an hour left, and I was like, "Oh yes, yes." It's it's a I long movie. More. It's a long movie that you you feel it's like 2001 you're supposed to feel the pace of this thing and it's really not unpleasant i mean the subject matter is unpleasant but it's not unpleasant to be 
in this filmmaking experience. And yeah. I mentioned Brian Cox in the cast. The cast on this thing oh, it's is great. insane. Yeah. Uh, Elias Cotillas, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Baker Hall, who I know you're a Ooh, huge fan I'm a, of. I am a big Philip Baker Hall fan. Have you, have you seen his Nixon? No. I can't remember the name of the movie, but in the it's in the Criterion Collection. In the 80s, he made oh. an adaptation of, I can't, fuck it, blanking on the name of the movie. But he played. It's a it's a one it's a one man show. Him playing Nixon on the night before he resigns. Okay, and it's just like a one or two room. Interesting. Thing. And him just his Nixon is insane. Great. It's one of the most like unhinged versions of Nixon you've ever seen. Oh, check that out. Uh, you've also got Dermot Mulroney, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Edwards, John Carroll Lynch, Donald Logue, and Zach Grenier. Okay, hold on, hold on. Don't. Okay, I I know you can't skip over John Carroll Lynch. His Arthur Lee Allen is haunting. I, I, I might say this is Anthony Edwards' best. I, I, him, him and Ruffalo, God, are great. so good, They're so good great together. And I have such a soft spot for Donald Logue. Um, did you ever watch Ghana for Life? It was a sitcom he did. You know, I, I know of it. Look, I, I won't even. It's one of Melissa's and I's like, like favorite classic. I mean, not classic. It's not old, old, but like it, very funny, very I, funny. I really want to go through and do Gotham again for him because he's That's right. He is in that. He's, he's in that. It looks like a really yeah, good show. Yeah. But they're just, man, they're, they're too many, too many reasons why this is my number one. I mean, one of the biggest being is that I, I love when film is able to do something to influence real life. And this reopened the Zodiac That's case. That's true. So what, yeah, yeah. what better fucking case do you need for this being a great movie? Yeah. And I think they make a pretty goddamn good argument for Arthur Lee Allen yeah. being the Zodiac. But what's great, too, is is even though you might be thinking that as you're watching the movie, I, I'm probably going to forget the character's name, but when uh, when Jake Gyllenhaal goes to the guy's house who did the poster, yeah, holy shit. That's intense. Oh, man. that's In a movie that's supposed to be a procedural, and this is the thing I love about it, it juggles a serial killer narrative, a police procedural, and an investigative journalist like plotline like that is a mountain of work to do oh we shouldn't um um uh chloe sevigny oh yeah as as grace as robert graceman's wife yeah his second wife yep. yeah she is incredible yeah she is really good yeah. and and she, and again she's got a very thankless role yeah uh, that's, that's i'm just gonna say that there you go. harkening back to our Gwyneth paltrow discussion from yep. last week and i i don't know what it is i've always loved i've never been to san francisco i really would love to but yeah. that trans america pyramid I'm fascinated yeah. by that building and yeah. the architecture of it because I got a I got a kind of thing for architecture, but I love the time lapse of that. Yes, in the I did too. When they yeah. built that, that's really fucking cool. It's in a slew of really good San Francisco movies. Um, Vertigo, yeah, is a good San Francisco. Well, movie. the game is a San Francisco. The game movie. is also. Yep, they're right. Yeah. You're right. Mm, San Francisco. Yep. Um, yeah. So this film was was nominated for I think one of the things this. This year, 2007, oh, well, yeah. was a I mean, fucking amazing year for yes. film. You've got No Country, yep. There Will Be Blood, Into the Wild, Michael Clayton, yep. Diving Bell and Butterfly. Which is really good. Really good. Really. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people love Juno. I'm not a massive fan of Juno, but I, I get it. Yeah. I get why people love it. So it's, it's easy for a film like this to kind of get lost in all of that noise, and it did come out earlier in the year. So yeah, its Academy chances aren't great. But we can't forget, this film was nominated for a Palm d'Or. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. This is not the type of movie that gets nominated for a Palme d'Or. I would, yeah, I would agree. 
and it lost to uh, it lost to four months, three weeks, and two days, which I haven't seen, but I hear is a really tough piece of cinema. I've heard. I mean, I've heard it's good, but in yeah. that same, I don't know enough about it to know yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard too. Would really, like, I think it's in the Criterion Collection. Just like just very recently, or I don't know if it's even come out yet. I maybe is it slated to, or has it already come out? It, I think it might already be. Okay, out. I, yeah. yeah. Fuck, man, I just. But this is what I mean, and even, and even though I, I kind of shed on on Fight Club a little bit. One through seven, uh, what are you, uh, you going to yeah. do? I, I mean, mean they're all great movies. We we talked about filmmakers batting a thousand. Nobody bats a thousand. The only one that I, I when we had a sort of brief discussion about that, I think I mentioned Mendez. Yeah, a, a lot we of did people. A, bit. Would, yeah. a, a lot of people wouldn't agree with me because I know Spectre was really shat on, but I think we can say unequivocally, Fincher is batting seven hundred. Oh, he's batting very well. Yeah, yeah. Better, better than most. Yeah, and again, it's like, you know, and better I, than Nolan. Because <laughs> fuck that last Batman movie, and Interstellar can go fuck itself. Uh, uh, okay, we're not we're not doing our top ten Nolan movies. We're not there yet. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I just you, love you, to you, poke that Nolan fanboy bear, which you as do as much in, as you possible. do intentionally because I'm right here. Yeah, I'm right here. I love it. You, it's my it's like my favorite thing ever. Fucker. Anyways, um, yeah, it's. I I don't know what else to say. I mean, Fincher is great, and and one day he will finally win the Oscar he so deserves. He really does. Yeah, should have gotten it for Zodiac, and he should have gotten it for Social Network. Yeah. I mean, I mean of. And and like it's not. I mean, well, we, Social Network. He should. He deserved it for Social Network. He should have gotten it, and it also should have been. Yeah, we should have given you this for Zodiac. But here it is for a great movie too. Yeah, yeah. Um, my co-host is just throwing. He's so excited. So he's I throwing just, pens. My, my pen just fell out of my hand. So I've I've tallied up the math. All right. Let's but, do this. So 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 hold so on. So do you want to go down our list individually yes. and then do the cumulative? Yeah. Yes. So. My 10, so my top 10 from 10 to 1. Alien 3, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Panic Room, Fight Club, Gone Girl, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Zodiac, The Game, The Social Network, and my best venture film is 7. And my 10, going from 10 to 1, at the bottom we've got Ben Button, Panic Room, Alien 3, Gone Girl, Dragon Tattoo, The Game, Social Network, Fight Club 7, and my absolute favorite Fincher film, Zodiac. So, cumulatively, the 1,001 by 1 ranking of Fincher films. Official list. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Number 10, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Number 9, Alien 3. Number 8, Panic Room. No surprises there. Number 7, Gone Girl. Number six, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Number five, Fight Club. Number four, The Game. Number three, The Social Network. Number two, Zodiac. And number one, seven. I can live with that list. That is the I real I know that you would want Fight Club higher. I it's in the it's in the, the top half. It is that's, in the top half. That's important. Yes, that's yes. Im, that's important to me. Oh there. <laughs> Good. I'm so glad that we could make you happy. Um, we should also yeah. mention that it's uh, he's he's got um, two films in the IMDb top 250, mm-hmm. and they are seven at number 20, 
and Fight Club at number eleven. Oh, that's not what that's not what I have. Right, it's number eleven as of wait 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 wait. No, Fight Club is eleven. Seven is twenty. You forgot one. I did. Did I forget one? Gone Girl is at a number one hundred and eighty-eight when I checked this about a week and a half ago. It's number as of oh I do have that sorry uh, as of the first of March it was one eighty-nine. Oh okay, so it slipped at some point, but yeah, yeah. So he's got three in the top two fifty. That Gone Girl one is interesting. I don't think it's going to hang on forever. I don't either. But I just like the social network isn't on there. Yeah, the social network should be. That's bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Maybe not. Maybe not in the top one hundred. I don't know. Top one fifty. Top two fifty for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but as far as where its actual place with, I, I think oh, it's fair I to gotcha. say. Like, I got gotcha. you. Within top, the top one fifty. Yeah, I would agree. Is more than fair. I would agree. I would agree. Oh man, what a whopper! Well, there you have it. That was a fun episode. The top 10 Fincher films, or obviously there's 10, but like our ranking of the Fincher films. Um, so please hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter. We want to know what your top 10 are. And if you haven't seen them all, give us your top five, your top three, however many you've seen. And Hopefully, then go out and see more Fincher yeah, films. Yeah, watch all of them. Even even the ones that we didn't like the best, you should see them in relation to everything else. So so watch them. Let us know. You can hit up hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find us on, on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all those great places. Um, and please come back next week as um, we discuss maybe the maybe the real birth of the romantic comedy um yeah we're going to we're going to lighten the mood slightly a lot a lot <laughs> and uh, until then i am adam and i am you and we will see you next week